Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Hey, church family, thank you so much for being here today. I am excited, even though I'm not here, I'm on vacation, but I'm excited um, that E.J. Kipper has come back. We met him uh, a few years ago after doing some hurricane relief. He's preached a couple of times here, and he is back today uh, to walk us through the next section of John. Um, what I want to remind you of is that the more you talk, the better he preaches. So go ahead and say amen. amen. Go ahead and say that's right. That's now, please give a hearty Heritage Park welcome to E.J. Kipper. Come on, let's give God an offering of praise. Amen. And then this awesome music ministry, let's show them some love for turning our attention to Christ. Let's have a word of prayer. Just like them lights are awfully bright. Got awfully bright. It's kind of dark who was worshiping now. <laughs> Maybe it's just my nerves. Lord, we tell you thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. Lord, our prayer is simple. What we know not, teach us, Lord. What we have not, give us, Lord. And what we are not, please make us, Lord. Would you repeat after me, Lord? Bless your people. Lord, bless your preacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I tell God thank you for uh, Pastor Trent and allowing me to come and stand here where he normally stands uh, to feed your soul. Um, tell God thank you for Darren and KD, a beautiful family, for fellowshipping with them on last night. Um, where is, is Tyler here? I wanted, to, I wanted to deliver the message about this ribeye. I ate the whole thing. Eh? <laughs> I heard that he couldn't eat the whole thing, but I ate the whole thing. And man, it was delicious. And I just tell God, thank you for the, for the awesome fellowship um, on, last, on last evening. You all have been going through the Gospel of John. Uh, we are in John chapter 3, verse 22 through 36. We're going to read those verses, John chapter 3, verse 22 through 36. Listen to what it says. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown in prison. Then there arose a dispute among some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. 
He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. And he who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he who, whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God does not give the spirit by measure. Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God does abide on him. And thus for the reading of the word of God. Um, in the first service, some people were not completely honest. So I hope you all will be completely honest with me when I give you my title. All right. Today I want to talk to you from the subject, the upside down. All right, all right. We got some honest people in the house. Do y'all know what the upside down is? All right. If you know what the upside down is, give God praise. Give, give, okay. All right, good. Okay, so, the upside, and so for you who don't know, the upside down comes from this phenomenal series, Stranger Things. And in this series, Stranger Things, there's this parallel universe, right? And in this parallel universe, it's a, it's a place of darkness. It's, it's a place where monsters live, and, you know, it's a dark place, parallel universe. And I thought about that as I was reading this text for, for this reason. Church is primarily for Christians. Right? We offer an invitation because we know um, that an unbeliever or someone who does not believe in Christ may come into church, but primarily church is for believers. And so if there happens to be an unbeliever in the house today, you got the privilege of eavesdropping on church conversations. <laughs> but all too often in the church or amongst Christians, there is a parallel universe. There was a dark place where things exist that shouldn't exist in us. Am I right about it? So just go ahead and tell somebody I'm not going to say amen today. I'm just going to. I'm talking about the Christian upside down. Some things that should not exist. Some things that we ought to be seeking God to help get out of us. And so, because I've been pastoring for seven years now, I've learned that people go to sleep when the preacher is preaching. And so, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the point of my message, and I'm going to give you my three points up front. So, just in case you go to sleep, you'll have them. Amen? Amen. I do this every Sunday. I tell every Sunday, I just give them the point of the message, and I give them my points up front. So, you can, those of you taking notes, you can have the notes. And so, if you check out on something that I say, at least you'll have the notes. Amen? So here's my sermon in a sentence. Here's my sermon in a sentence. When Christ increases in our perspectives, other things will necessarily decrease. You got it? Sermon in a sentence. The point of the message is this. When Christ increases in our perspectives, other things will necessarily decrease. Three points. Here they are. Three points. My first point is a sordid lesson. Sub point, check your motives. Second point, a social lesson. Sub point, check your pride. Third point, a sober lesson. Sub point, check your time. You got it? Let me give it to you again, just in case you go to sleep. A sorted lesson. Sub point, check your motives. 
A social lesson, sub-point check your pride. A sober lesson, sub-point check your time. All right, so I'm going to break that thing down like a fraction real quick, and I'll be out of your hair, all right? So, 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 so here's what's happening in the text. In the text, John is baptizing. People are coming to him, and he and his disciples are baptizing. Now, the purpose of John's ministry is to point people to Jesus. Isn't that right? Jesus is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But watch what happens. Jesus shows up now. And now that Jesus shows up, y'all remember, I don't know if you remember, just let me paint the picture for you. John comes to, to the Jordan and Jesus comes to the Jordan and he, he wants to be baptized. And, and, and Jesus, John says like, I can't baptize you, man. You're Jesus. He's like, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus says, suffer it to be so. He baptizes him, but he's pointing people from this point forward to him. This is the one I've been telling you about. Now watch what happens. Jesus and his disciples now start baptizing as well. Right? It is a, it is a transition, a transition baptism. It's not the same baptism that you and I have, but it's a, a baptism of transition because Jesus Christ has not died. He has not rose. The Holy Spirit has not yet come, but it is a transition for those to say, I receive this Messiah who is to come. Right? And so now that Jesus has come, all of the masses that were following John are starting to follow Jesus. <laughs> you see the drama in the text, you see it? It, it? Man, that's like some soap opera stuff, right? And so now, and watch, and so now John's disciples, they feel some type of way about that. They don't like the fact that now they don't have the big following that they once had. So they come to John and they say to John, hey man, everybody's following him. And John gives us a phrase leaps off the page and begs for us to receive. Here's the phrase. He must increase. I must decrease. Will you say that with me? He must increase, but I must decrease. And, and so the word increase means to enlarge, enlarge. The word decrease means to lessen. And I'm telling you that when we increase Christ in our perspectives, other things in our lives will necessarily decrease. So here's the first one, a sorted lesson, check your motive. So the dispute rises, watch, because the disciples don't have the following that they once had. That people are now following Jesus rather than following them. Do you see it? Check your motives. Do you know it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason? To do a good deed for the wrong reason. You know, some people see it like this. Some people feel like if you don't post it on social media, then it didn't happen. Isn't it right? Can I ask you a challenging question? Does God care about my motives. It's participatory time in church. It's participatory time in church. You can ask this question any other way you like to answer it. Does God care about my motives? Let yes. me ask you a follow-up question. Why? Don't answer it. Why? Does God care about my motives? Yes. But why? Can I tell you why? Here's why. 
Because God not only cares about what you do, but he cares about who you are becoming. Isn't that good? Watch it again. Watch it again. It's explosive if you will receive it in your spirit. God not only cares about me doing right, he cares about me thinking right. He not only cares about me doing the right thing, but he cares about my attitude when I do it. He not only cares about me doing the right thing, watch now, but he cares about me doing it in the spirit of gratefulness. Now don't act, don't look at me like that. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You know you told your children, you said, I'm, I'm talking, I told y'all last time I was here, I, I guess I should have gave you the disclaimer again today. When I get happy, I start talking in Ebonics, y'all forgive me. I will be all proper and prim until I get happy. My, I don't speak in tongues, I speak in Ebonics, so forgive me. But look, you know how when your children, you tell your children to do something and they do it, but they do it with a little attitude, right? And you be like, if you don't check your attitude. Why? Because it's not simply about what you do. It's about what God wants us to become. Amen? Anybody got something in your, something that you know you need to become? That I'm not all that I need to be. There is more that God is trying to make me. That's the reason why we sing the song. Make me God. Mold me God into your will, into your way. It's not just about doing right. It's about having the right motives when I do it. This is about the heart. This is about the attitude. This is about gratefulness. Watch now. Let me give you a principle that I want you to receive. You ain't going to like it, but you need to receive it. And it is... You cannot separate the gift from the giver. Do you receive that? You can't separate the gift from the giver. So, 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 so fellas, so fellas, so fellas, so fellas, um, you go to your boo, you bring your boo some flowers, but you ain't. You bring your boo-boo some flowers, but you ain't apologize for the wrong you done. And she's going to look at them flowers like, you need to go take that somewhere else. <laughs> Why? Because you can't separate the gift from the giver. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about what you do. It's about the heart that does it. Do you all receive that? It is, it is a sordid lesson. Check your motives. Here's what God says. Again, receive it. It's not just about what you do. It's about who you are becoming. And that's why your motives matter. Here's the second one. The second one is a social lesson. Here it is. Check your pride. Tell somebody I'm not going to say nothing on this point here. Check, check your pride. Check your pride. Look at the text. John teaches us some great lessons in humility. He teaches us great lessons in humility. You gotta hear some of the phrases that he uses. He uses a phrase here. He uses this phrase. Watch. All of the masses are coming to him, but he says, behold. I, I know we don't use words like that no more. We don't use words like behold, right? But the word behold means look. It means to turn your attention to. So when Jesus shows up, even though he has the masses surrounding him, look what he does. He turns their attention to Christ. Do you see it? Watch, watch something else that he says. He says in the text, he says to them, I am not the Christ. Look what else he says. You remember when Jesus shows up, he says, I'm not even worthy to untie, unloose his sandals. He teaches us about humility. Listen to what the Bible says about humility. The Bible says, hear it now. 
God resists the proud, the arrogant. But he gives grace to the humble. You all receive that? Let, let, me, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. You're saved. you know why you're saved? You're saved. If you are saved, you are saved because you came to God humbly. You understand that? Because, 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 watch now, in order for me to see God as he is, I have to also see me as I am. And if I think too much of myself, I cannot see God the way he is. The reason why, my brother, my sister, if you are here, that you feel like you don't need God is because you think too high of yourself. You think that your money is going to make you right with God. You think that your job or your social standing or your house or your bank account is going to make you right with God. But that means nothing to God. Because the earth is the laws and the fullness thereof and the world that dwells therein. It all belongs to him anyway. And so when you stand before God, you must stand before him naked. That is, every sin, that is, every mistake, you know, the things that don't nobody know about but you and God. <laughs> Do you understand that? And that means when you stand before God, there is no excuses. There is no deals. There is only one transaction that matters. And it is the transaction of Christ Jesus. And you must be humble to say, I need a savior. You see it? Islam, Islam will tell you that at the end of days, you wait and make sure and see if your good outweighs your bad. I don't know about you, but I don't want them kind of odds. Because how much does my good weigh? How much does my bad way? You must come to Christ humbly. Do you see the text? They are, they are looking at how many people are following them and how many people are following Christ. You've got to see this because this is explosive. It, it lives in our lives every day. Pride leads to comparing. Pride leads to complaining. Pride leads to competing. I know y'all don't like me. See how y'all looking at me? Come on. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to put this mail in your mailbox and then I'm going back. Going back to late Charles. Amen. But, but, but receive it. Receive it again. Receive it again. The reason why you complain so much is because of pride. Reason why you're always comparing yourself to other people is because of pride. I told the first service, and let me tell you, you don't have enough information to be comparing yourself to somebody else. You, you, don't, know, you don't know how much, or how long they prayed for what they have. You don't know how long they went without before they got what they have. You don't know how many problems they have. You don't know how much their bills are. You don't know how many sleepless nights they have. You don't have enough information to be comparing your life to someone else's. Do you receive that? But the antidote is gratefulness. The antidote is to tell God, thank you for what you have. The reason why we're always competing is because of pride. Look at the text. It's right in the text. Look what he says. He says, whatever a man or woman has, God gave it to him. 
That's what humility does. I dare you that when you wake up in the morning, when you go clock in to work tomorrow, you clock in like God gave me this job. I got to work it but God gave it to me. When you go deal with them children, tuck them in bed and say, God gave me these children. When you back out of that garage, I know that thing clean and you leaning in it, but say, God gave me this car. You, you understand what I have? Whatever I have, God gave it to me. Anybody here today? God gave it to me. This was when you're supposed to respond. God, you know, Pastor Trent told y'all this to respond. This is it right here. God gave it to me. Somebody go ahead and give God praise right there. That when I look at my life, I can count my blessings. I know that God gave it to me. And see, guess what happens? That leads to humility and not pride. Let me give you another piece of it. It's in the text. Look what he says. This is, this is powerful. This is explosive. In the text, John says this. John says, I am the best man, and Jesus is the groom. And all of the people that are going, flocking to Jesus, they are the bride. And he says, I'm just happy because the bride and the groom are together. That's what he says in the text. I'm rejoicing for the bridegroom. Do you see it? And that is a powerful principle for you and I. And that is, you're not going to like it, but please receive it. Learn to celebrate the successes of others. Y'all receive that? Do y'all receive that? Come on now. Learn to celebrate. Because listen, if you are a Christian, then this is, the, this is the creed that we go by. The Bible says to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Now we love to weep with those who weep. But let's rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, my daddy says it this, like this. My daddy was a pastor as well. He says it. He says it like this, um, that if God is blessing your neighbor, you ought to give him praise because he's in the neighborhood. <laughs> That'll preach all day long, won't it? <laughs> and, then, and then he has another saying where he would say this. He would say, you're, you're going to have to attend the celebration for others many times before you attend your own celebration. Receive that. It's not always easy, but it's Christian. Amen? Here's the last thing. The last thing is a sober lesson. Check your, check your time. So, so John, he viewed life soberly. You receive that? John, he viewed life soberly. He, he, here's what John understood. He, he says... I must decrease. This, 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 is, this, is, this is actual. This is factual. I am decreasing, but Christ is increasing because Christ is here on his mission. And from now on out, he's accomplishing the mission that God has for him. But guess what? I'm only here for a season. Do you receive that? My, 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 my friends, my friends, here, Pastor, today. Here, Pastor, today. You are only here for a season. And I know young people that we like to think that we've got a lot of time. But none of us know how much time we have. And so, what will be said about you after your time on this side of heaven is over? And so, what will be left undone? Some of us abuse time 
Some of us lose time. But I'm asking you to use your time for God. Period. Watch it. Is there anyone that needs to be forgiven? Is there is that, that call of God on your life, that pull, that tug of God on your life? Where, where, where God is pulling, you know, you come in church and, and every time you come, you feel it pulling. How can I say it? How can I, how, how can I say it? Two boys, two boys. Look at them now. Two boys are fishing, y'all. Can y'all see them? Look at it in your, with your imagination. They're fishing and, and there's an older brother and a younger brother. And the older brother says, there's a fish on my line. And the younger brother says, how you know there's a fish on your line? He says, can you hear it? He says, no. He says, can you see it? He says, no. He says, well, how do you know there's a fish on your line? He says, because I feel it tugging. And there's someone here, every time you walk into this place, you feel the tug of God on your heart. God is saying, it's time for you to get involved. And you've been saying, I'll do it next week. I'll do it after this. I'll do it after I get this age. I'll do it after I accomplish this goal. But I'm telling someone here today, you don't know how much time you have. And now is the time to serve the Lord. Now is the time to get involved. Now is the time to mentor. Now is the time to have an impact on someone else's life. So the Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about that there is a kind of work that will follow us into eternity. You've got to see it. It says this, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. They rest from their labors. But here it is, their works do follow them. And I wonder, what have you been doing? That will follow you into eternity. My God. Can you imagine that? That there is something that you can do for God. That is so God honoring. That it will follow you into eternity. I don't know about you. But that's the kind of works I want to do. I'm finished. The Lord bless you real good and well. But just let me close my message like this. I will. Musicians can come. Let me close like this. What is at the center of the word sin? I. What is at the center of the word pride? You're going to have to know how to spell to get this one. What, what? <laughs> what is at the center of the word anxiety? You see it? Do you see it? But here's, listen to what John says. John says, I must decrease. Right? Christ must what? Increase. And so, and so, and, and, and so the answer then, the answer then to sin, the answer then to pride, the answer to my anxiety, even if you look at the word motives, the center of it is I, even if you look at that word, the answer to all of it is to focus on Christ. Do you receive that today? Focus on Christ. Even now, even as I'm speaking, I, I want you to think about this. What am I to focus on? What does it mean? Preacher, I hear you saying it. It sounds good. It sounds poetic. It sounds cute. He must increase. I must decrease. But tell me plainly, what does it mean? It means to focus on him. Did you hear me? It means to focus on his love. 
Perhaps you, you, you've fallen into sin. Perhaps you've made a mistake. And perhaps the, the, the devil is beating you up with guilt. Well, to, that he must increase means to focus on his mercy. He says to confess your sins and I'm faithful and just to forgive you. And watch it, y'all. I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you see it? It is, it is to focus on his cross. That God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, whosoever will. Do you understand what I mean? Whosoever will. He says, I'll forgive you no matter how bad it was. No matter how ugly it was. No matter how stained your life has been. God will forgive it and he'll save you right now. And he'll seal you with his Holy Spirit. So much so that Jesus says, not even the devil in hell can pluck you out of my hand. But if you're a Christian here today, life can be so busy. We can focus on so many things, but I'm telling you, you've got to focus on the mission of Christ. You've got to focus on his work. You've got to focus on his power. It may seem like it's too hard for you. But I'm telling you that nothing shall be called impossible with our God. He says you are more than a conqueror overcomers in Christ Jesus. And so then, rather than focusing on all the ways that it could go wrong, focus on his power. Do you receive the word today? God bless you. God keep you. Amen.